This episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast is sponsored by the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. As a woman in the modern world, our hormones are taking a battering. They're impacted by the food we eat, the toxins we're exposed to, such as when we eat out of plastic takeaway containers, or even worse, reheat food in them. Please don't do this. If you're handling FPOS receipts, filling the car with fuel, eating non-organic produce that hasn't been washed effectively, plus so much more things add to our toxic load every day. Even though our bodies are designed to effectively manage toxins, they haven't evolved as quickly as our toxic world has, unfortunately. So our body does need support. Symptoms such as stubborn weight gain, fatigue, disrupted periods, irritability, and gut health issues can be a sign that you'd benefit from a gentle detox. And that's why I developed the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. This free guide has an abundance of information to get you started on your very own DIY detox. And if you'd like to upgrade to VIP, it's only $47 for a limited time. I used to sell this program for $247. The upgrade gives you the recipes, including plenty of uh, plant-based options, the meal planner, the shopping list template, the video workshop, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more now. Take care of your hormones. They are a critical part of your health as a woman. Hi, I'm Susie Garden, and this is the Ageless and Awesome podcast. I'm an age-defying naturopath and clinical nutritionist, and I'm here to bust myths around women's health and aging so that you can be ageless and awesome in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. The Ageless and Awesome podcast is dedicated to helping women through perimenopause and menopause with great health, a positive mindset, and outrageous confidence. Hit subscribe or follow now, and let's get started. Hello, gorgeous human, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about the weight gain that happens in perimenopause. And I know I do talk a little bit, maybe a lot, I'm not sure about weight gain. I actually went back through the last sort of four months of episodes to see, and I haven't really spent a lot of time at all talking about this. So I wanted to have a new episode on weight gain in perimenopause because there's just so much new information that keeps coming out and I'm absolutely loving and you maybe maybe are noticing this as well but I don't know if you are but there just seems to be so much noise about perimenopause at the moment and the need for more support I know in Australia there is an inquiry going on at the moment into perimenopause and it is really exciting um as a perimenopausal woman to to see this happening finally, so that women will actually get the support that they need to manage the symptoms that they have. Because, you know, as I've said, I'm pretty sure on previous podcasts, when I've spoken to my GP about certain symptoms that I've had, like the... The, the knowledge just isn't really quite there. And again, I, you know, I, I have total respect for GPs. They have a lot of different medical conditions they need to deal with. I have a special interest in perimenopause. So I spend a lot of time reading about it and learning new things and reading the latest research. But 
you know, even when I saw my GP last week, I, I was showing her some of the latest research that she wasn't across. And it's just one of those things that, you know, if you're with a GP and you're not getting what you need when it comes to things like uh, support for perimenopause symptoms, then find another GP that actually will help you with that because they are around. Um, but yeah, it's, it is a little bit challenging, I have to admit. But anyway, uh, that's not what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about weight gain and perimenopause specifically. As you know, I work in the area of healthy weight management with the GLOW protocol and metabolic balance. And I see a lot of people, I see men, I see women, all different age groups. But what I find is when I'm working with women in their 40s, and that's the majority of women that I'm working with in their 40s and 50s, actually, that there are some really special things that that need to be taken into account uh, with perimenopause because of all of the changes going on in the hormones. And these are a few of the factors that that kind of are explaining why it is really challenging to lose weight in our perimenopause years. And remember, those perimenopause years can start when you're in your 30s. So if you're in your 30s listening to this going, oh, this doesn't apply to me, believe me, it very well might apply to you. So the main issue when it comes to weight and perimenopause is the estrogen factor and specifically the loss of estrogen. So you may know already that what happens in perimenopause is that we very quickly get a loss of our progesterone and the estrogen, however, kind of surges and then drops and then surges and then drops. I mean, the pathway is that it's going to drop away, but we do have these surges in the middle of while we're in this perimenopausal part of the transition. And that decrease in estrogen overall leads to a decrease in muscle mass, which you may or may not know. And it can be really quite dramatic. I know I noticed on myself a few years ago now, just a real like real like fleshiness of my arms. Like I really noticed my muscle kind of disappearing. Um, And so, yeah, decreased muscle mass. And what that does is you have then a corresponding slowdown in your metabolism just generally because muscle burns fuel at rest. When we have a more muscular physique, we're actually burning more fuel. The muscle cells use more energy even at rest. So when we're having this decrease in estrogen and this corresponding decrease in muscle mass, it then actually kind of slows down our metabolism, just that one aspect without all of the other ones I'm going to kind of mention now. So there's that aspect. Um, Also, we know that the decreased estrogen increases our inflammation because estrogen has a real anti-inflammatory effect. Uh, and when we are in that more inflamed state, it's it's much, much easier to store fat because, you know, the body is kind of going, oh, I need to survive here. I better store my fat. Um, and it also blocks the release of that fat. Also, when you have that increased inflammation, that can lead to joint pain. 
and fatigue and that leads to decreased activity. You know, if you're in pain or if you're really tired, like I know for me this morning, I'm recording this podcast on uh, Monday, the day before I'm releasing it. And I've walked my dogs in the morning and I was supposed to do gym. And I remember walking in the door after walking the dogs, just going, oh, the last thing I feel like doing is going to the gym. Now I did go, I did, I did do gym and I'm so glad I did. I felt really good after doing it. But it's, there is that kind of, there's a mindset aspect just generally about doing exercise for many people, including me. I'm not a lover of it. Um, but also there's just this general kind of fatigue that you can get that can make doing exercise, like that, getting that motivation to do exercise a little bit more difficult. So I really encourage you to, if you are feeling like, oh, I don't really want to exercise today, just start. One little trick that I learned when I was in corporate was, you know, if you're getting, if you're unmotivated and there's stuff you need to do, whether it's work or home related stuff, just allow yourself to quit after 10 minutes allow yourself to quit after 10 minutes. So for me, for example, if I have to, I don't know, reorganize the linen cupboard, (laughs) I really don't want to like, so how boring is that? But you know, sometimes it just needs to be done. And I just set myself a timer. I go, right, I'm just going to do it for 10 minutes and then I'm going to stop. Inevitably, if you start doing something after 10 minutes, you just kind of like, oh, well, I'm doing it now. I'll just keep going. And it's the same with exercise. Often I'll do say that to myself. It's like, right, I'll do it for 10 minutes and I'm allowed to stop. And it's no problem to stop after 10 minutes, but usually I just want to keep going anyway. So there's a little trick, a little mindset trick is to just absolutely allow yourself permission to stop after 10 minutes. You'll probably want to keep going. And if you don't want to keep going, that's okay too. That's fine. Um, getting back to other impacts of this loss of estrogen when it comes to weight gain. So the loss of estrogen definitely leads to fat storage around the abdominal area. So that's what we refer to as the meno belly. So even if you're pear shaped, you may find that you're carrying a little bit more weight on the tummy area. And this is because of the decreased estrogen. Also, it can be because when we're in kind of our perimenopausal years, often there's just a little bit more stress, life stress, whether it's work, whether it's kids, whether it's aging parents or other things going on. And particularly at the moment, I think there's sort of just a level of stress generally with the cost of living. Um, And so that extra stress also increases cortisol. That impacts your estrogen as well, by the way. But also increased cortisol does tend to promote storage of fat on the abdomen as well. So you've got two things hormonally going on that will increase fat storage in the belly area. So joyful. (laughs) Um, There's also certain medications that lead to weight gain. For example, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. The class of drugs is the SSRIs, and they do have weight gain as a side effect. And I've seen dramatic weight loss when people stop those medications, but also just you know, I find that if people are doing my program on an SSRI, then we can overcome that blocker to weight 
loss and that promotion of weight gain that the SSRIs have using the techniques and tools that I have in the GLOBE protocol. So that it's not necessarily that if you're on those medications, oh, well, it's inevitable. I'm going to put on weight and there's nothing I can do about it. That is actually not true. With the right strategy, the right protocol, you absolutely can get around it. Um, and just on that, often if you are suffering from anxiety or depression, or you even just have low energy, you may be attracted to comfort foods. Um, if you're fatigued, it's just to get some energy, but if it's anxiety or depression, it's just to feel better, right? Um, and often that comfort eating is not necessarily going to be snacking on some celery, is it? It's going to be carbs, sugar, maybe processed foods. And often you, you'll feel good when you're eating that, but then afterwards you'll be beating yourself up and that's not great either. So not so good. Another thing that uh, you may have heard of the term metabolic flexibility. It's a term that I'm hearing more and more that I didn't hear probably even five years ago, it wasn't a term I had really even heard. Um, So metabolic flexibility, and I'll define what that is in a second, but research shows that women begin to lose metabolic flexibility once they hit perimenopause. And metabolic flexibility is the ability of the body to switch energy sources. So to switch from glucose energy sources to fat energy sources, depending on what you've actually got available in your body. So it essentially means you're going to be able to burn fat bet more easily if you've got good metabolic flexibility. And other things that come into play like insulin resistance, and I've, I've you may have heard me say this before, if you're gaining weight on the belly, if your waist circumference is more than 100 centimeters, whether you're a man or a woman, it means you have a degree of insulin resistance, right? That's kind of pre-diabetes. And if you have insulin resistance, you will have poor metabolic flexibility. So that is one of the keys to even just to good health as we age is having good metabolic flexibility. And I'm really interested, there's some new data coming out about dementia and Alzheimer's disease. And I haven't read a lot about it yet, but I believe that metabolic flexibility is one of the keys to prevention of um, dementia and Alzheimer's. So uh, there's some new stuff that's about to be published that I'm looking forward to reading. And when I do, obviously I'll be podcasting on it, but yeah, if you can maintain good metabolic flexibility, then it will help with weight management. It will help with energy. It will help with prevention of many chronic diseases as we age. So that's super important. And the best time to address this metabolic flexibility and keeping it and maintaining it is actually pre-menopause. Um, but perimenopause still allows for change in this area. And in fact, it's never too late. If you jump on board and go, right, I, I, I'm not going to allow myself to be in an, in an existence where I'm at higher risk of having a stroke or having a heart attack or getting diabetes. You know, I want to live a healthy, fun, uh, good quality of life, no matter what age I am, then, Acting now 
to overhaul your lifestyle, if, if that's what's needed, like you might have actually a pretty healthy lifestyle, but if you're finding that you, you're getting this weight gain, that you're a bit fatigued, you've got some joint pain, all of that sort of stuff, uh, and if even if your diet's really good, you may benefit from personalized nutrition, which will absolutely optimize your health and your well-being and make you feel incredible and give you the toolkit that you need for the decades to come. Um, And the main thing, if we're wanting to really maintain good metabolic flexibility, it's very simple. You already know what I'm going to say, I'm sure. It is managing your diet. So making sure you've got good quality whole foods, fruits, veggies, um, whole grains, quality proteins in the right portion size for you as well, because obviously portion size is really important. Any excess energy that we have in the body generally will get stored as fat. So if you're wanting to lose weight, you want to make sure that your portion size is appropriate for your energy level. Um, And the other thing is resistance training is probably one of the best exercise forms that you can do. And resistance training is generally weight training. So lifting weights. Um, I also, I do that. And I also do reformer when I'm doing both. It's incredible. The real, there's a real transformation. And when I'm adding yoga on top of that, then it's, you're getting everything. You're getting the mind body stuff. You're getting the muscle building and you're getting the flexibility and you just feel good. You feel really strong. Um, and yeah, that's, that's seriously what it comes down to is having the right diet for you and your needs, getting some good movement in. And if, if you're not able to go to the gym for whatever reason, whether it's a time factor, whether it's a finance factor, whether you've got certain disabilities, um, if you've got, um, just, you don't like gyms or whatever, then just moving. I've said this before about like even just throwing on a song and dancing in your room and maybe changing some of the way that you move your body in that so that you are actually putting uh, resistance and pressure on your bones and on your muscles so that you can build that. And maybe that is doing some squats you know, if you can, again, if you have your body has that ability, uh, doing some squats and maybe using what you've got around the house to put extra weight on your body, throwing a backpack on or something like that to, um, that has some weight in it that will help with you building some muscle. That would be incredible. But also when you're doing that, being very mindful with your movement, switching on your core, engaging your glutes, all of that sort of thing so that you don't end up injuring yourself. Okay, so this is again where you may wish to get some professional advice on that. Um, but you know what? Even without a change in weight, all of the things I've mentioned with the, the fat storage going around the middle, with the decreased muscle mass, with um, those those two things actually, those two things even without a change in weight, will lead to a heavier looking appearance. So sometimes it's not just about the number on the scales. And I'm often having this discussion with clients. It really isn't about the number on the scales. It's how you feel in your body. The strength that you feel, the energy that you feel will 
that's what is really more important than anything else. And building good muscle will absolutely make you feel better. It will help you burn more fat at rest. It gives you that metabolic flexibility or that improved metabolic flexibility. And the sooner you get onto this, the better, the sooner, the better. Because even just with the preliminary stuff that I'm I'm starting to see come through with particularly the dementia and Alzheimer's disease studies is that for women in particular, women have a way higher risk or incidence of this happening. And they're really now drilling down into perimenopause and menopause, because that is the main difference between men and women. When you're really looking at the data in dementia and Alzheimer's, the big difference is menopause and perimenopause. So the data that they're looking at now is, is or rather the, the focus now is what, what can we do to support women in perimenopause and menopause to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's? Alzheimer's is also known, you may not know this, as type 3 diabetes. And so anything you can do to improve your insulin sensitivity, so reduce your insulin resistance and improve that metabolic flexibility is going to help in terms of that risk. So now I've kind of gone flipped over. I wasn't actually planning to talk about dementia today, but that's, it's just, I've been reading a fair bit about it today. So I think it's just fresh in my mind, but yes, keeping that weight under control, keeping that muscle mass up, reducing inflammation in the body is the absolute key to having a healthy life and a great quality of life as you move through the decades. So I hope that that has been helpful. I would love to hear from you. Uh, If you feel like dropping me a review, I would absolutely love that. Or just send me a message on uh, Instagram at Wellness, or you can send me an email, hello at susiegarden.com and just let me know what you think of the episode. And if you have any topics or any questions that you'd like me to address in the podcast, I would love to hear from you. Have an awesome week. I'll be back on Thursday for Q&A. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Ageless and Awesome podcast. If you liked today's episode, please make sure you click the little plus button if you're on Apple Podcasts or the follow button if you're on Spotify so that you can get each new episode delivered to you every single week. If you like free stuff and who doesn't, then head over to susiegarden.com and grab my eight essential age-defying secrets every woman over 40 should know right now. Or if you'd like to continue the discussion, head over to Instagram and DM me at Susie Garden Wellness. I'd love to connect with you.